0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So sit back and relax, or you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. I'm speaking to you from pet-level England. Most of you will probably not know where that is. A couple of my British friends didn't know where that was. It's um, on the north-southwest-east, southeast coast, a bit north of Brighton. And we've rented an Airbnb in what is a former fisherman's cottage. It's a row of cottages that were all for the local fishermen. still quite an industry here. It's late afternoon and the sun is setting and today is the first day in several days I've managed to extricate my head from my nether regions (laughs) or in other words pull it out of my ass because on a good day traveling is fraught. On a not so good day traveling can be exhausting and dangerous and very apprehensive-ness making especially now that the mask mandates have been lifted. Getting on a plane where people do not have to wear face coverings at the present time is really very unsettling. Of course, Der spouse, Meister, and I were masked the hell up. We got some N100s, which are not awesome for my lungs. And I did wind up having a bit of a headache after the hours and hours on the plane. It was a seven and a half hour flight, and then you have to add sitting on the plane, boarding, taxiing, and then arriving in England and having to wait for buses to take us from the plane. So it was closer to eight, almost nine hours on that plane. And then we arrived in London and had a lovely stay overnight in the hotel before we were to drive down to the coast. However, things were complicated because my husband lost his passport. It was in his pouch and he'd gone to the restroom and taken it off to wash his hands or or whatever. And then by the time we went back to look for it, it was gone. Someone had taken it. We hoped slash assumed it was someone from the hotel staff, you know, but it was not. And we didn't realize all of this until we'd already gotten to the coast several hours drive and we called the hotel Thankfully, realizing that in my anal retentive (laughs) efforts to keep track of our stuff as we age and menopause hits my brain, I had a tile tracker that was in with the pouch. So we knew where it was. We knew it was still at the hotel. We knew that someone had not taken it and rushed off to try to subvert it and, and pretend to be an old Austrian guy and do some sort of illegal smuggling shit. That was not the case at that time. But the hotel kept telling us they couldn't find it. And thankfully, we were able to contact the Austrian Cultural Forum, which is an arm of the Austrian government, and they exist in many of the larger cities around the world. There's one in New York, there's one here in England, up in London. And despite the fact that there were no appointments at the embassy available until later this month, the Austrian Cultural Forum folks, knowing that uh, the Spousemeister is, of course, you know, a living treasure of Austria... Contacted them, got us an emergency appointment. So we took the train back up to the city and 33 minutes before we were planning on initiating the process to get his passport replaced and hopefully be able to leave the country, even though there would certainly be some delays. I called the hotel one last time and miraculously, somehow, suddenly they did have it in their possession, which was weird. And what the fuck happened? But okay, not going to look a gift pouch in the Mouth? Pouch? mouth. mouth. God, now I'm just making up words. (laughs) And so all of that worked out to to such relief. But this trip had been sort of a a comedy of small errors. Nothing huge, nothing terribly catastrophic, but a lot of smaller problems, like me completely flopping around which rental car agency we were using and going to the wrong rental car center at Heathrow which complicated things a lot, especially because I had a headache and was tired as hell and had not slept on the plane. So we had to go back through the terminal and get another shuttle bus and get another place. And God, it was a pain in the ass. And then all this stuff with the passport was, it was a total drag. And then just one, this little small things one after the other. We're a bit struggling with our artistic lives as well. and. That became very interesting because we have so many different appointments we were supposed to make here during our trip, and most of our trip is supposed to be for concerts and such that are happening in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. Except then, there were some issues with those, because the spousemeister, as he is a reasonable and sensitive man, is also very sensitive to his artistic needs. And as it turned out, we were not experiencing the type of feedback that he found helpful in one of the um, venues he was working with. So TLDNR, what that meant is that he had been kind of left by the wayside in the artistic process. Of his own piece. Now, what's interesting to me as an artist is that in the United States, especially when it comes to new plays, one of the things that people are so excited about is working with the artist and and getting their feedback and having them be an integral part of this first production. And in Europe, that's not always the case, and in many cases, that's not the case at all. Which you know is a bit frustrating when all you want is to see the vision that you have created, brought to life in the way that you saw it. Except unless you are also the orchestra, unless you are also the conductor, unless you are also all of the folks doing the support, it's never going to be exactly as you want. There's so much between us and our dreams. The past couple of months I've been thinking quite a bit about what is between me and my dreams. And to be quite frank, What's most often between me and my dreams is myself. It would be great if I had some cranky concertmaster or some fussy soprano to blame for all of the obstacles that I place in my own path. Fear, resentment, sadness, and the worst, the low self-esteem. The idea that I am not enough the feeling that no matter what I do, it's still never going to live up to my own hype. This is the thing that's really kind of funny about being an addict, about the self-esteem problems that come along with that, is that you tend to think of yourself as the most beautiful, unique, and amazing piece of shit that's ever <laughs> walked on the planet Earth. And it's dichotomy, this dichotomy can really fuck you up, right? On paper and rationally, on the, in light of day, I know that I have a great deal of intelligence and so much to give, but so often it gets cramped up in my feeling that, well, who really cares? Does it really matter? I started... Putting up videos on TikTok, mostly because my delightful friend, Sunny Megatron, who is just an amazing educator and someone who I admire so much for her work and bringing knowledge and truth to alternative sexual lifestyle communities. She called me and let me know that there were people spreading all kinds of bullshit on TikTok. And I saw a couple of videos where people were talking about uh, dominance and submission in ways that were just horrifying. And so I posted a video basically just saying, hey, Self care, consent, enthusiastic consent, and respecting hu- the humanity of all people, blah, 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 blah. And those videos did pretty well. And then I hit a wall. I hit just a, one of those moments of, like, why the fuck am I bothering? Why the hell do I think I have anything to say that anyone cares about? And so I just sort of stopped. I just kind of stopped posting these TikToks, thinking, like, you know, I mean, there's plenty of other people out there. What I have posted is it'll live. And if, If it matters to anyone, they'll find it. And then I wound up having the most miraculous revelation. I had worked up the nerve to call my former acupuncturist, who I've just thought was amazing and wonderful since I'd started seeing her. And in fact, our sessions used to be mostly us just like chatting and cracking up as the needles were in. And then you're supposed to relax and everything else while they're in, and we just couldn't resist continuing our conversations. And when I found a place that was closer to me, I was so reluctant to not see her, but With the pandemic and everything else, just riding on public transportation all the way downtown for that amount of time was just not something I could do. And so I started seeing another acupuncturist closer to my house, which felt like cheating. Isn't that weird? I don't know. I'm probably not the only person who has that experience of feeling like some sort of infidelity if you change practitioners or providers of some service. But then it had been a little while after I had moved to a different practice, and we were friends on Facebook, mind you, and we would chat and occasionally just gossip and do our little thing. And I finally said, you know, I would just like to hang out with her. So I worked up the nerve over the course of a few months to send her an email, and she responded so enthusiastically. Oh my gosh, yes, this is just delightful. I would love to. And so we arranged to have Sunday tea at the Russian tea room, which is just so delightful and so fancy. And we got all dressed up. And when I first arrived, I got there before she did, I noticed that there were a table full of five Black women who were sitting in the booth next to us. And I just admired their amazing assortment of fabulous outfits and wonderful hair and nails, and just faces beat to eternity. It was just so good to walk in and see folks who look like me having the time of their lives, just living their best lives. And so my friend Juliet arrived and we sat and had a wonderful tea and just chatting and catching up and checking in and doing all the cool shit that you do when you're first getting to know a new friend, right? Then the table of black women next to us got up and started to file out. And then the last woman in line stopped and turned around and looked at me and she said, I believe that I know you. And I said, Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe did she see the documentary or did she did she read the article in the New York Times or, you know, what was it? And then she said, I believe I've seen and I follow your videos on TikTok. And now I'm like, oh gosh, and I s- kept the smile up and I said, yeah, I, I actually do post on TikTok because now I'm going, holy shit, all right? My TikTok content is almost entirely about kink and BDSM. And I will say that plenty of African-American f- folks, women especially, are not fans of my work in terms of talking about submission and talking about consensual slavery in the context of BDSM. I've had a lot of really terrible comments left but what keeps me going is that the terrible comments are outweighed tenfold by other brown faces who are expressing appreciation for the fact that I am out there conveying this message because they felt so alone and that bolsters me up and and I had been feeling less concerned about those types of clapbacks except now here was a woman standing in front of me in real time not a commenter not someone who was somewhere in the world a, a, a faceless person behind a pseudonym this was a human being who I could see and so I kind of shrank up a little bit, but I said, you know what? I doubt she's going to shoot me right here in the middle of the Russian tea room. And I'm not ashamed of who I am or what I do. So I said, yes, I I do post on TikTok. And then she leaned in and said, the content, though, what kind of videos do you post? Well, I, I post mostly about alternative sexuality and consensual kink and BDSM. And she nodded and said, that's what I thought. And then her face, just opened up in the biggest smile and she said, I want to thank you for the work that you do. And I just felt apart and I felt the tears just, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but tears just like popping out of your eyes. The shit was real. And she said, may I sit? And I said, absolutely. And she came and sat down on the bench next to me and took my hand in hers and The softness and the warmth of her hands just spoke volumes to me. And as she looked and gazed into my eyes and I felt so seen. And I tried to see her in that moment and to really absorb what was happening. And she said to me that what I was doing was important for her and she knew for so many other black women who felt as though their sexuality was being ignored or controlled or judged. And I just could not stop the tears flowing down my face because this was the affirmation that I needed and a a lot of times you'll hear people say shit like, I didn't know I needed to hear that. Oh, I know I needed to hear that but in what universe does exactly what you need to hear fall gently and beautifully and graciously into your lap in the midst of a moment that's already so precious and so beautiful. And my friend Juliet is sitting there just with her hands clasped in wonder, just going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so I spoke to this lovely human being sent from all the realms, past, present, and future, seven generations forward and back, to say to me, you matter, your voice matters, what you do matters, please keep going. And I explained to her that my recent absence had been just because I had felt this sinking of maybe not being so useful or questioning the why. And she said, don't question it. Just keep going, please, for yourself, for us, for all of us who are listening to everything you have to say and feeling seen for the first time. And then she left, and and Juliet and I were just sitting there, and she said, I feel so, so lucky to have been able to witness that. That was amazing. And I thought, yeah, that really was amazing. There have been a few times in my life where I have received the immeasurable Priceless gift of having someone tell me, either in an email or text message, or as in this amazing moment, face to face, that what I do matters, that what I have to say matters. And I'm just one small voice out here crying in the wilderness. But it matters. And I want to speak to everyone because we're hitting a place where historically, I don't know if we're going to be able to halt this slide back into darkness. Our rights are being eroded day to day. The ugly reality of what America truly is is finally being exposed to the rest of the world and to the people who have lived with so much privilege that they were unable to listen to those of us who have been crying for generations about how ugly and terrifying this country is. What's going to need to happen is that folks who are truly fans and advocates of freedom are going to need to step up we're going to need to believe the impossible and that is that each and every individual voice matters I matter you matter. If you are sitting and listening to this, I don't care where in the world you are, how old you are, what your socioeconomic position is, you have a miraculous power. I read a book when I was a kid, uh, A Wrinkle in Time, and then there were two more books that I read. These are Madeline Langle, L-E-N-G-L-E. They're young adult books, but they're kind of fucking deep. And in one of them, I can't remember which one, I think it might be the second book, A Wind in the Door. There's a wrinkle in time, a wind in the door, and a swiftly tilting planet. I think the second one is the one I'm thinking of, but you can read the synopses if you want. And as part of the story, there's a a, a young child who is undergoing a, um, well, let's say just a battle between supernatural and natural forces for his soul. Because this child matters. What's kind of fascinating about that, because, you know, I'm sorry, the chosen one narrative I'm a little tired of. I am a little tired of that. But what this book does is take it to the micro level. The battle for this child's soul eventually comes down literally to one part of one cell in his body. There's a battle for a mitochondria, I believe. And I know, so this one cell's powerhouse has the ability to fend off darkness, the darkness that's coming for this child. And the idea that one cell, that one, not even the whole cell, one piece of one cell is the tipping point through which either this child may eventually live or die and then this child impact the future is startling. And science fact it's not just science fiction it's not just something that was pulled out of the lovely and fanciful head of this particular author the universe is something we do not even fully understand shit there's shit going on in your body right now that science still doesn't fucking grasp do you understand how much of a goddamn miracle you are do you understand how many systems are in place working and not working in their particular delightful and terrifying magic just to keep you alive right now I just landed on the concept of it is shockingly disrespectful to all that has come before you to make you possible for you to feel like you don't fucking matter. So much has happened to get to the place in this world where you were created and born and walk and breathe. Take a fucking moment and admire the miracle that is you. Take a fucking moment to admire the science that's happening all over your body right now. Take a moment to realize that science doesn't even understand the consciousness that is within and without your body that's keeping you alive and that enables you to understand the words that I am saying. We are fucking amazing. And yet we have allowed ourselves to be beaten down by systems that tell us that we don't matter, our votes don't matter, our voices don't matter, our fucking internal organs don't matter. The idea that reproductive rights could be pulled away in the United States is terrifying, but less terrifying to those of us who have had our reproductive rights stomped on generationally. Those of us who were the descendants of rape and assault are not necessarily startled by the turn that the U.S. is making. Those of us who have seen how the quote-unquote criminal justice system works are not at all shocked by the fact that the highest court in the land is plagued by bullshitting liars who are more than willing to pretend to not have an agenda when it's flagrantly obvious that they do. When a judge on the court declines to recuse himself from a case in which he knows his wife was involved. But if you ask any black African-American person about their concerns with the criminal justice system, I don't think anyone would be surprised because that system was designed to destroy us, to keep us down, to replace the bodies that were lost by quote unquote emancipation not at all startled by the police state that we live under because of course if you knew the history you would know that the police as they exist now are the direct descendants of slave catchers and you wouldn't be surprised because it would be in your DNA and you would know these truths already. So what I want to remind you is that not only do you matter you are vital even if you consider yourself to be one small speck on, a, on an even smaller speck spinning through the galaxy, I don't give a shit. Every single speck is vital to the functioning. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. There is no waste in this system. Matter is neither created nor destroyed. It changes. And it might be time for you to change your idea of what your matter means. And to remember that each and every one of us has a job to do. Now that job might be to serve as a warning (laughs) to other people on what the fuck you should not be doing, right? But I really and truly am galvanized by the idea that we all need to stop and take a breath and say, sure, maybe I am but a moat dancing in the sunlight, but the sunlight is warm and my dance is joyous. And if your your dance is not joyous today, that's all right too because grief and sadness and rage and anger are also valuable tools that we can use to push ourselves forward through these dark times. This shit is a cycle, okay? America is a young country compared to so many others, and America hasn't gone through the full and total reworking and collapse that so many other countries have. I think I mentioned before the shock that a friend of mine who was European expressed when they realized out loud that America still has the same constitution that was written by slaveholders hundreds of years ago. Nobody does that. Every other country has a fresh constitution that was written in a more contemporary time. And we don't because we cling to the evil, because we have a sentimental attachment to the legacy of some of the darkest, sickest, most twisted minds in history. And I say that because anyone who can pretend to love life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and then deprive other people of that is a violent sociopath. And that's your founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But don't listen to me. The word of one lone Negress speaking to you from the attic room of a lovely cottage on the seaside of Britain. Listen to your gut. Find that one cell in your body that is crying out for freedom and love and focus on that one cell. I just spent the past week at a retreat. I serve as an assistant support staff for a retreat run by friend of mine, Barbara Carellis, and the retreat is a training retreat for practitioners who do body work of all sorts, healers, sex workers, healing sex workers. So many amazing, wonderful people and part of my role there is to be in the room as an African-American woman who is able to lay down the information about why these practices are vital to communities of color. And to help provide a landing space and a home for participants who might be people of color who are also really tired of functioning in all white spaces. And it was vital to me to understand that my mere presence in the room as part of the team of people who were teaching gave a landing place for the people of color who might not have felt that otherwise. Just my presence was valuable for these folks. My existence. One of the things I learned in my journey out of alcoholism was that I drank for reasons that were not clear to me while I was drinking, social anxiety being the one that really surprised me, but also fear of my own power. And while I was at this retreat, I had one of my one of my co-teachers who was someone I've known for quite a few years now. And it was funny because I always felt like there was a little bit of a bubble between us and I couldn't quite suss it out because we got on just fine. And I was like, but there's a something, there's something there. And I thought maybe they liked me well enough, but, you know, didn't like my teaching style or thought I was too irreverent or I couldn't really tell. And then we had a really profound moment of connection at this iteration of the retreat. And they said to me, you know, Mo, I think you're just so amazing and you scare me. And I said, I scare you? And they said, yeah, it's, there's something so powerful about you and it's a power I don't understand. And that can be really scary. And I took a step back and I thought about it and I was like, I agree. There's a power I don't understand that's scary to me too. I just, I don't fucking know what it is. I guess I'll know sooner or later, or maybe I won't. This is the thing. That might not be my fucking business. But it was very remarkable to have someone I consider to be just an incredibly lovely and gracious human being say to me that they were intimidated by my power. (sighs) Being intimidating is not something for which I strive. However, living in my power is something that I do strive for. And I want to call on all of you as we move into an eclipse, a time of darkness, to remember that this is a passing season and that each cell in your body is programmed with millions of years of information. Tap into that. Don't let yourself be swallowed by despair and and powerlessness. Please, please, please know that you are more powerful than you can possibly know, and that is why the systems are there, in order to make sure that you are more worried about your skin and your breasts and your erection and your house than you are about your spirit and your joy. Please put those systems down. Take a moment, just a moment, and feel how amazing and beautiful you are. And I'm going to do that too. I'm doing it for myself. I'm not even really saying this for you. I'm saying this for me because I suck at it. Because I'm really not good at valuing myself and I really need to work on that. And I want you to be there with me. I want for us all to understand how beautiful and precious we are. Because we are. We can't fall into despair. We can't. Oh my God, I love you so much right now. And I can see you sitting or standing, walking, curled up in bed. I can see you drinking your coffee. I can see you putting down your book, petting your cat. I can see you wondering if you matter. And I'm here to tell you that in all of my power, I see yours. I see yours. And it's so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon.